2: Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, 5'2", and 107 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K.
3: Good evening and welcome to the Andrea K Show right here at KCBQ Studios, AM 1170, The Answer. So glad to be here with you guys and share this time with you as we slide on into Christmas coming up in a couple of weeks. So looking forward to that. I don't know if everybody's done their Christmas shopping already or got it all done. There's so many people that I know people that have it done by Labor Day. It's like, what's wrong with you people? You gotta, you gotta be willing to have a little excitement, a little thrill in your life. Take a chance that you might get down to like the last week before Christmas and still have to, you know, come up with some presents. Keep it exciting. That's what I say. So, hey, thanks for joining me tonight. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. Friend me on Facebook. Like my fan page. Lots of different ways that you can interact with me. Also remember that I'm on Craig's Sewing Show Tuesday nights at 6. i I'm Tomorrow is a huge day politically because we actually have a presidential debate tomorrow. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today because I always love to talk about the debates. I always love to ponder beforehand. You know, what can we expect from the media? What can we expect from the candidates themselves? And there's so many different juicy things happening right now, not just as we're heading into Christmas, but as we're crossing over into 2016, we've got the Iowa caucuses coming up. It's going to, we've got the conventions and primaries and just so much fun stuff happening. So lots to talk about today. And, um, I got to thinking before the show, you know, every, every time I sit down, i call different topics and, and different uh, themes, and typically something emerges to me, even though oftentimes the topics like today are kind of similar or, or if not identical to what we've al- already talked about before. It just seems like there's a, a theme that kind of jumps up at me, and today I was thinking rise and fall. Because if you look at some of the stories that have been going on that we're going to talk about today, and by the way, you're going to want to stay tuned into the second hour because I've actually got a liberal coming on. Tis the season, right? Uh, To be nice and keep it light and share the love. So I'm actually going to share some love with a liberal that I've been really wanting to talk to for a while uh, from Fox News, Tamara Holder. She's going to be on. So be sure you stay tuned for that because I'm going to pose some questions to her about the rise and fall of the rise In terms of radical Islam here in the country, as well as radical Islamist jihad that is going on here in the country, Uh, who would have thought 15 years later that we not only have forgotten, but we are actually as a people, a society and a government actually enabling, if not encouraging the actual efforts of the jihadist right here in our own land. They're rising we're falling when it comes to fighting the war on terror. We've actually got an administration in an entire half of the country that won't even call it that. That's trying to tell us that we got to take Islam out of Islamic Jihad, which there is no such thing. So we've got that rising. We've got rising a couple of candidates that are rising in the Republican ranks, particularly Cruz, are rising because of the war on terror, because the American people, the American people aren't afraid. The American people are angry. They're angry that we have this going on in the country. They're angry that 15 years later, after September 11th, that we actually have jihadis here all around our country. Our FBI can't even keep on top and keep watch of all the threats that we face that That's rising here in our country. Americans are angry about it. And one of the reasons why they're angry about it is they know, they know that the administration and our government with a complicit Republican Party has enabled this to happen, and now we're not safe. So you know what else has been rising? Gun sales. We had a gun show yesterday in San Diego, and let me tell you, I know people that were there. I know people that were there who were liberals, that swore they would never own a gun, that were there looking for a variety of different ways to protect their home and their life, not just from the radical... Jihadis, but also from an overreaching government that keeps trying to tell us that the solution to terror and the solution to all acts of violence against us is to take arms and defense mechanisms and guns away from the law-abiding citizens. We had a gun show yesterday here in San Diego, and it was packed. People buying all different kinds of devices and different ways to defend themselves, from handguns to rifles to tasers. You name it, that place was packed and people are buying it. So rise To gun ownership in America, the rising of stock prices due to gun ownership, that's going up as well. In terms of falling, how much longer are we going to wait until some of the elected officials in this country who have blatantly committed crimes against our nation, against our Constitution, crimes that have resulted in the deaths of Americans, directly and indirectly, when are they going to fall? When are they going to be doing a perp walk that any of the rest of us would be doing if we had perjured ourselves before Congress? If we had, and we're going to get into a little bit, y'all know I'm talking about Hillary and you know I'm talking about Obama. We know that Hillary Clinton lied under oath in regarding the email scandals. We know she lied under oath regarding Benghazi. We know that she was involved in in the gun running to al-Qaeda and others. Through backdoor channels in Libya and other another means, which is which is a felony. So we know that she's broken the law. We know President Obama has broken the law, and people in a, so many different ways. And people are wondering what are they going to fall. And and many Republicans still believe, in spite of the fact that Cruz has skyrocketed over Trump in Iowa, many Americans still believe. Republicans believe that he is the one who's going to not only keep us safe and do the most in the war on terror, but also hold some of these people, these elected officials accountable who absolutely should be in jail for the crimes that they've committed. President Obama committed crimes. Just one of the reasons why I keep harping on this. It's like I'm a broken record. The Republican Party gave the American people gave the majority to the Republican Party because of the overreaching, the way President Obama has trampled the Constitution. Let's we could talk about the the cover up about Benghazi. The who remembers Fast and Furious. Talk about gun running to Mexico. Talk about felony. Talk about crimes against the American people that President Obama was involved in. What about the IRS? It was absolutely illegal what the White House was involved in with the IRS in terms of information over uh, to the IRS about American citizens. It has been one crime after another from this administration, one piece of corruption after the other. And I'm not convinced. We've got some reports coming in that a few Republican officials currently in office are going to launch some investigations to try to hold President Obama accountable. But I personally... Have lost any confidence whatsoever in the current Republican Party to hold anybody accountable through any of these dog and pony show theatrical kangaroo court style investigations that always are nothing more than the different elected officials to sit up there and preach and preach and preach and, you know, use it for an opportunity for themselves and then lob softball questions out to people like Hillary Clinton, who had blood on her hands when she came before congress. But we're going to talk a little bit about that. So we've got we've got the rise of radical Islam. We've got the rise of radical Islamic jihad here in America. We've got the we've got an American people that are rising up and saying I'm buying guns to protect myself. We've got some rise of some hawks in the Republican party saying that they're prepared to take matters and do what they got to do to protect the American people. But in addition to Some people predicting a fall on the part of Obama and Hillary. I'm not buying it. What I really see falling still is the American culture and the American way of life. If we as an American people do not rise up and do more. When I am hearing so many people, even on the right, like Speaker Ryan coming out, he thinks he's rising. He thinks he's rising up because he's Mr. Speaker of the House. Well, you know, um... Maybe maybe his stock is rising within the party, but I don't think for long, because I predict that the Republican Party is going to vote in somebody, either Trump or Cruz, who is going to do everything they can to get rid of the likes of Ryan, who criticized Trump and said that when Trump wanted the Muslims to be vetted and to be not allowed to come here until they were properly vetted. And for Ryan to come out and say, those aren't our values when Jimmy Carter had done the same exact thing back during the hostage crisis, Ryan revealed exactly who he is. So Ryan is falling. He just may not know it yet that he's falling. Now there's actually some, this is interesting because there's actually some conspiracy people out there who's saying that he started, that he grew that beard actually to show solidarity. Now I, you know, to, you know, uh muslims i'm not one you know i don't buy into conspiracy stuff but i got to tell you that the very fact that people are thinking that about him tells me ryan it, you know his time as speaker is short lived okay mr ryan your time as speaker is short lived i had an upsetting phone call <clears throat> with a family member telling me that for the first time in her life she'd actually thought that there may come a time in the not so near future to where she might want to sell off everything and move to New Zealand. I'm hearing more and more and more Americans telling me America's going down. We don't have a bright future anymore. It's too late. It's too late to turn things around and that, that America has already fallen and that, we can't really do anything more at this point. I I don't believe that. I believe that we can turn this around. I don't believe that things are so bad that America's already fallen. I think we're kind of on the cliff. I think if we don't get the right person in office in 2016, that we could be completely fallen off the cliff, but I don't think I don't think it's done yet. I really don't. I believe Trump when he says we get a few more trillion in debt and we're done economically, but we're not there yet. Do I think that we through the open borders from the southern border to through the visas program and all these refugee crap, do I think that the border has been a crisis point of which to destroy the fabric of America and to take us down? Absolutely. But I don't, and I do think that we've got far too many here that want to do exactly what they did in San Bernardino. And we've got even more reports about their ties to organizations. There was more than just those two people involved here. But we still have the manpower. We have the intelligence. We have the human intelligence of the American people who are saying, like Judge Judy says. Don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. They know you cannot take Islam out of Islamic jihad. And the American people, we have the human intelligence. You see something, you say something. We're not going to allow ourselves to be bullied into submission with the see, see nothing, say nothing People through the human intelligence, of the American people the, who have enough human intelligence to vote in somebody who's willing to deal with this issue, willing to get our military back up to fighting strength, willing to get our intelligence community back up, willing to do what we need to do economically to preserve us, willing to seal the borders and keep these people out. We can turn things around here in this country. I absolutely think that we can. And I have to as a Christian, as I go into Christmas, I have to put the hope into God that He's the one in control, and that if we believe in Him and we all work together, that we absolutely can do this. I got to take a break. We come back. We're going to pick it up on the other side, and I want to talk about the Republican Party and to some people who are really surging, and why. So, thanks for tuning in today. This is the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer.
4: Be sure to follow Andrea Kay on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E.
3: Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's Best Local Pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990.
5: I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434. Or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue.
4: Contractors license 657
6: Miramar Kitchen and Bath.
3: Welcome back to the Andrew K. Show. <laughs> I was just enjoying that beautiful bumper music that Dijon Dylan played for me. I didn't even say hi to you earlier. Hey. Hey. That was kind of a weak hey there.
7: It's hard rock Christmas. Is
3: that hard rock Christmas? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm I'm more of a fan of like traditional, you know, Christmas music. But I tell you who might be digging that is Timothy Shea. What do you think of that
1: team? Hey, Lulu. I, I'm sorry. I put me to sleep. Uh, give me a little rocking around the Christmas tree. Uh, give me a little Santa baby. Now, we could do some, with some Santa baby.
3: Uh-huh. Um, I actually love all Christmas music, and you know what? I'm one of these people. I who do, too, Christmas... one. Well, except for one. Which one?
1: Yeah, you know the one. Is it simply having a wonderful Christmas time? Uh, no, that would be a little drummer boy. It makes me want to put sharpest pencils in my ear. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's how i feel about a grandma run, got run over by a reindeer i mean has there been anything stupider
1: written no or that's more pretty stupid? pretty dumb
3: yeah it's really dumb um but you know what's not dumb is you and so that's why i called oh, well, on you you. To, yeah I called on you to to um call in the show today because boy um one of the top stories for many good reasons that's been going on this weekend is, oh, the, I was talking uh, in my open about the rise and fall. Everybody talking about the fall of Trump. Lord have mercy. He has fallen. That's what everybody's been saying about um, Iowa for him because Cruz is in the lead by about 10 points. And that sounds shocking because, you know, one of one of Trump's bragging points is to go around and, you know, brag about how he's in the lead everywhere. So, I mean, certainly if you're Trump today, you're kind of bombed. But it does not if you once you get inside the situation and what's going on in Iowa, um, like most polls, it's a little misleading just to see those numbers. Right, Timothy?
1: Well, that's exactly right. And what you have to do with any poll, those of us that have been involved in campaigns know you have to drill down and look at the questions, look at the methodology. There's actually a lot of strength in this poll for Trump, and I'll get to that in a minute, but I don't want to bury the lead. Trump didn't sink. what happened is that Carson cratered and Cruz cruised. Mm hmm. OK.
3: Although he Carson, did. Yeah. Carson did crater and Cruz. But that cratering alone didn't. I mean, Cruz. I mean, he
1: did. No, it did. He, it, it accounted for almost all of it because Trump actually went up a little bit in this poll over his October number. Uh, w- the way this poll works is you pick a first choice candidate and a second choice candidate and then they combine those two scores. So Trump went from 19 percent of the people wanted him in their as their first choice and nine percent in the second. For a total score of 28, in this poll, he had 21 first placers, 14 second placers for a total score of 35. So he actually rose seven points in this. What happened is the Cruz had a massive jump. It's the largest jump poll to poll of any poll in the last five election cycles for the Des Moines uh, Register. Right. He went from... 10% 10% wanting him as their first choice, and 9% the second for a total score of 19, all the way up to 31, 20, and 51. Huge jump, and it's because Carson went the exact opposite way. So oh. What's happening here, they both have the highest favorables, okay? Cruz is favorable is 73, Carson's is 72. They also have the, bo- the lowest unfavorable rating of 19 for Cruz and 22 for Carson. So people like them in Iowa. They don't like Trump so much. 57 favorable, 38 unfavorable. So between Carson and Cruz, the two that they like, who do they trust the most on terrorism, on being commander in chief and a number of other issues? That's where they switched from Carson to Cruz. It was the terror attack in San Bernardino. It was the the Obama administration's response. People want Cruz. They trust his strength.
6: Well, the,
3: the, what what I find interesting, though, is that it, as I start to delve into it, yes, Carson plummeted. But how come all Carson supporters went to Cruz and not any to Trump? That's what I find interesting. And I think that's one reason why people are saying that, that it is a negative on Trump. And also getting inside of it a little bit is that – And and I do think that we probably should have opened this by reminding people that Iowa isn't the end all be all. I mean, there's a whole. It's only one percent of the total delegates in 2012. Santorum won. I mean, really?
1: So you know, one of the Iowa caucuses usually does not win the nomination,
3: right? And so, and so much of this is about is about trying to take, particularly the establishment and the media, trying to take the wind out of Trump sales. And in fact, oftentimes Iowa winners have a hard time when they get. To New Hampshire because they're completely different, you know, people and, and what's important to them. What I found interesting in getting into these polls, and I don't know if you did as well, is that um, there's a difference between responses of those who say they will probably attend versus definitely attend. And I think that's where Trump has an opportunity. When they say probably, the people who say probably attend, uh, were Trump supporters? Those who say definitely are Cruz, and I find that interesting because I'm not really sure what to make of that. Why is it that why is it that people Trump supposedly has all these supporters that are like Obama supporters, Timothy? That are supposedly so die hard that it doesn't matter what he says, but yet these people are saying, "Oh, I may attend, may not." You know that doesn't that that doesn't seem to jive
5: for me.
1: Well, there's that, and there's also the fact there's opportunity for both of them. Both Cruz and Trump have about 45% of their supporters are solid, and 55 could still be convinced. Okay, but I want to get back to your question previously, and that was why that Cruz benefited from Carson falling and not Trump, and the answer is twofold. First of all, Cruz last week got the endorsement of Steve King, who's a very popular congressman in Iowa and a very solid conservative nationally. He also got the endorsement of Bob Vanderplatz, who is a very influential evangelical. And almost all of Cruz's rise can be attributed to the evangelical vote. He got 45% of the evangelicals and 39% of the Tea Party in Iowa. That's huge.
3: Right. Um,
1: and he did because his father's an evangelical minister, right. number one, number two, the Bob Vanderplatz endorsement, and number three. Trump comes out in, in questions whether a Cuban can really be an evangelical and said that he's an evangelical when everybody knows he's a Presbyterian that went to Norman Vincent Peale's church
8: on Fifth Avenue. I mean, come on. Well, I don't
3: know that I, as a Christian, I, you know, and I'm actually one who doesn't even like the term evangelical. It's it's, you know, really I agree with David Limbaugh here. That's really a pejorative term and, and really not one of any substance or content to those of us who are Christians. It's kind of it's it's really just a term that the media likes to use against Christians. Um, so and you know
1: and and well, it's the term that they're using to break it out in this poll, which is why I'm using.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, it's 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 again, but it, it's it's I playing the identity politics game, and I think that um, I think it's a whole lot of it's interesting for those of us who are really into it. And, and I thought it was interesting to me to see Cruz surge because I've been saying from the beginning that I thought a good ticket would be Trump Cruz. I'm not sure so many of the reasons why getting back to the evangelical thing, that so many reasons why people are starting to get behind Cruz is for that reason, because they've they've bought into the what I consider the falsehood. So much of, of what we were told about the polls in 2012 was not true. We were told. Um, by the establishment and the Roves that Romney lost because he didn't get enough evangelicals compared to McCain – to use that pejorative word, which isn't true. Actually, more conservatives came out for Romney than did McCain. We were also told, the untruth, that that um, the reason why Romney lost was because he didn't get enough Hispanic vote. So the problem with polling, I'm thinking about maybe inviting uh, Scott Rasmussen on the show to, to help us really spend some time, but I, I, it may get too in the weeds for people. I just think we kind of, it's interesting, but we kind of got to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. My whole takeaway from this is that I think Conservatives do love Cruz. Um, Trump, actually, when I get into this, and I don't know where he came down on the numbers, it seems as though Cruz gets more people with a college education than Trump does. And it's going to come down to a lot of Republican voters, Timothy, are going to come down and go, what's more important to try to put somebody out there who's an outsider who can. And, and this the answer to this might be based on what you believe about the polls. Put somebody out there who can reach across the aisle like Trump to the lower and the middle class people, because they those are the ones that are hurting economically and they believe Trump's their guy. Or, you know, to put stock into somebody who's going to reach the the, quote, evangelicals, I think it might come down to that.
1: It, it might. I personally, I'd rather see Ted at the top of the ticket because I, I still have some serious issues about Trump. But I do think a Trump-Cruz ticket would be formidable. Let me just leave you with my two takeaways from this poll. Okay, first, again, those of us that are involved in politics know that what the poll, the polls matter for one reason and one reason only, and that's money. Okay, and what the real story in this poll is that Cruz and Trump together have separated themselves from the rest of the field. It's really a two-man race now. Everybody else is distant, and when Carson drops out and others drop out, more of that support is going to go to Cruz than to Trump. So right now, the big story is Cruz and Trump have separated themselves from the field, number one. Number two, 47% of the people polled in Iowa said that they are, quote-unquote, anti-establishment Republicans. And only 29 percent said that they're establishment Republicans. So my second big takeaway from this poll is that the GOP is on the ropes. Okay, the, the establishment is running scared. That's why they're pushing so hard on Rubio. And that's why they're trying to attack both Trump and Cruz, because they realize that they're in trouble.
6: Well, yeah,
3: they know that. I mean, I think 39 percent of Iowans said that they wanted an outsider. And Carson, he actually, you know, I think he's still possibly in play. I think he made some mistakes after, after the terrorist attack. But, you know, the, I think most Republicans understand that Trump was in the lead. He's still in the lead in other polls, by the way, in CNN polls as well as I think a New York Times poll that came out. And well, he's ahead
1: in New Hampshire too.
3: The what I when what I'm saying to all the Trump haters out there, of which I am friends with many, is don't hate Trump. Hate the establishment because if it w- if they had done even half of what they promised to do, Trump would not even be in the race, let alone in the lead. And that leads me back to Cruz because a lot of people are asking what he has accomplished in terms of suppose he's supposedly the outsider who's been on the inside. What has he accomplished with that? Is it his fault that he hasn't accomplished anything because he was a, a lone man by himself in the party? Or, you know, is he all talk and all bluster? I was kind of concerned with some of the things that he did in regards to the um, TPA and the TPP agreement. He, he, you know, I'm still got some questions well, he about totally him. Was against TPP? Actually, he wasn't. There was a lot of reports the that TPA, came. TPA,
1: up... he did support.
3: He actually was one of the few people that read every word that went down into the basement and read the TPP, and actually was working behind the scenes in order to have the um, import-export bank and have that continue to be included, which is a real sticking point and problem for me. There's some questions about his wife in terms of her involvement with um big one world government organizations it's so kind of i'm not saying relations. i'm not saying that i'm anti-cruise but at this point if i want a true outsider i am not he hasn't completely convinced me yet that he's 100 percent that person um so that's what i'm waiting so i think those are see.
1: legitimate questions that need to be asked and addressed
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I and we'll have to see. Um, I'm backing up against a a break in like one minute or less. What are you expecting or looking to see tomorrow night? We haven't been told if it's a a theme like that. The last debate was an economic debate. I'm not really sure where CNN is going with this tomorrow. But what are you looking to see in the debate tomorrow?
1: First of all, I'm looking to see how the moderators handle themselves. Okay, I think that's going to be a big question. Are they going to actually conduct a fair and honest and open debate, or are they going to play gotcha again? I think last time we saw a little bit better performance by the media. It'll be interesting to see how the CNN moderators perform. Secondly, I'm interested to see who attacks Trump and who doesn't. Cruz will not be. So how are Cruz and Trump going to interact? I think that will be a very interesting dynamic. There's going to be a lot of pot shots taken by the midgets on the stage, okay? As far as I'm concerned, there should only be four, maybe five people up on there. We still have too many. We need some people to drop out of this race so that we can start to focus, start to ask these questions that you just asked, Mm -hmm. and really be able to drill down and figure out who our best candidate is.
3: Well, I predict that it's going to be a gotcha, one long-themed gotcha, the Republican Party being mean to Muslims. I think that's what the tactic is going to be in a variety of different ways. I think they're going to be putting the other candidates on the spot to denounce Trump and his call to not bring Muslims here. And I predict that they're going to have to do a dance with that. I predict that Rubio um, starts swinging because he's got the most he's got to try to gain. And I think Cruz is going to try to cruise through it without ruffling any feathers and not taking any risks. So I
1: think those are all very safe predictions.
3: That's what I'm, I am predicting. So I got to take a break. And um, but thank you for calling in. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me on. Take All care. right, have a good day. All right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back. We got more Andrea K show coming up.
4: Want more Andrea K?
2: Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today 877-749-3533.
7: all-natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism, and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micro market generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine.
4: You're listening to the Andrea K show on AM 1170 The Answer.
3: The Andrew E.K. show. I'm not sure I'm even recognizing some of these Christmas hymns that Dylan is playing. Little town of Bethlehem. What is that like Hawaiian style though? What is that? With a ukulele? You got <laughs> the guy, the guy who saying tiny bubbles? Is that who's performing that? What? Okay. Hey, if it makes you happy, that's all Gary me. Hoey. Oh, Gary Hoey. Is he is he Hawaiian?
7: I don't oh. believe so. Alright.
3: Next time, I'd rather hear the chipmunks. Anyway, um, just teasing you. Hey, got to have a little fun. I got to have some laughs here. You know what made me laugh yesterday was a report came out that Hillary had accidentally slept through a hearing on Benghazi the week before. Yeah, she accidentally slept. Supposedly, the meeting was at 930 a.m., okay? Okay you know what i don't necessarily expect everybody to be like bill clinton only slept 3 or 4 hours a night or w who got up at 5:30 every day and went for a jog but 930 you're secretary of state we're going into september 11th and you've got people in hot spots i mean the middle east is on fire you have contributed to the takedown of strong men that were protecting uh Christians and other minorities. I mean, you actively, intentionally, willfully, completely disrupted the Middle East, and you're sleeping in.
7: Well, to be fair, there is another reason that Bill Clinton was only getting <laughs> three to four hours of sleep tonight.
3: <laughs> this is true. Yeah, uh huh. We don't. Let's keep it rated G here, baby. It is Christmas time. Ten, and I think she showed up or something like ten thirty or ten forty-five or something. And the meeting was over. Oh, didn't she have anybody? I mean with her with her you know private email server, didn't she have somebody contacting her? She had her Blackberry that she's talked about? It's ridiculous. Um, but I guess I shouldn't be so hard on Hillary because did you guys know that her new platform and her new defense strategy is all about love? She came out last week when Trump was coming out wisely pointing out that you can't take Islam out of Islamic jihad and we needed to stop bringing in people from around the country who want to destroy us from within. She says that we, when she was asked what we need to do uh, to fight the war on terror, she says, we've got, this is a quote, we've got to do everything we can to weed out hate and plant love and kindness. Mm-hmm. In Alabama, she told lawyers celebrating the 60th anniversary of the Montgomery bus, bus boycott that justice means standing beside love. How do you stand beside? I don't even know what that means. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering what kind of bad accent she was using when she said this. In Atlanta, she promised black ministers that she would run on a love and kindness platform. And, um, then now her campaign has her new catchphrase, love trumps hate, wink, you know, about, I mean, not only is this absolutely ridiculous as a defense strategy, but it's so phony because Americans know that there's many different Words that you can use to describe Hillary Clinton. Many different aspects to her character. But love and kindness are never used in regards to her. This is a woman who looked in the eyes of the family members of the dead. Four who died in Benghazi as a direct result of her actions. And Judge Napolitano was talking today about her email scandal. The corruption that was involved in that. And that what happened in Benghazi was a part of a drug, a drug, a gun running escapade scheme, if you will, to the bad guys. It actually started. He talked today about, which I didn't know. I knew that that ambassador Stevens had been brought in under under the dark of night. That was not an embassy that he was at. It was an annex. He was brought there on a truck and he was brought there as part of, and, and this was reported by Aaron Klein in the real Benghazi story. It was reported that he was brought there to try to smuggle weaponry, American military weaponry to the supposed good guy Syrian rebels. And they ended up in the hands of Al Qaeda. And in fact, Judge Napolitano uh, correctly pointed out that that is a felony, just like we know she lied about Benghazi to congress we know that she broke the the records act and the espionage act with her email server she should be falling she should already be doing a perp walk and we must have and i'm hoping really hoping that that a question is going to one day be asked in these presidential debates about what they're going to do to hold people accountable now we had some republicans who came out and said finally Because there's been reports coming out about President Obama and his efforts to enable aid and abet our enemy in a variety of different different means and different ways, not just what I already described with Libya and the gun running situation there. Um, but finally, we've got representatives Ken Calvert of California, Mike Pompeo of Kansas and Brad Wenstrup of Ohio have decided to launch investigations. I mentioned this at the top of the hour investigations for the Armed Services Committee, Intelligence Committee and the Defense Appropriations Subcommittee. And in the words of a couple of other Republicans, I won't. A joint, here was a joint statement from the Armed Services Committee. In addition to looking into the specific allegations, the Joint Task Force will examine whether these allegations reflect systemic problems across the intelligence enterprise in CENTCOM or any other pertinent intelligence organizations. That's what they read. Fifty intelligence officials at CENTCOM had signed a letter claiming that intelligence on the Islamic State group had been doctored and which, you know, finally, I mean, 50? It took 50? It took 50 intelligence officials to rat out Obama before the Republican Party decided to do what? Launch an investigation. We need action. Because one of the things that's fallen in this country is the rule of law. We're at least, for anybody who's an elected official, it's us, it's us, the little guy versus the elites in Washington now. They apparently and it's and, and it makes me crazy that that when Trump comes calls for doing something that makes complete sense barring the entry of Muslims right now until we can get this vetting situation under control that we've got so many on the left that suddenly care about the rule of law. Oh, we can't do that. It violates the Constitution, even though the Constitution does not protect anybody outside the borders. It doesn't even protect an American citizen. Has anybody seen Locked Up Abroad? I can't go down to Mexico and break their laws down there and just have the U.S. Constitution protect me. How long did Thomas... Andrew or I think his name was, I don't remember his name, Andrew Tomasetti or whatever his name was, who accidentally, I live here on the border, I know it was an accident that he he found himself across the border because he missed the turnaround. It's very confusing down there. It took months for that guy to come back. And, And that's an American citizen. So, no, the U.S. Constitution does not protect them from coming here and they should be kept out we now know we've got more reports coming in about these san bernardino terrorists for years going back years these people were posting allegiance to isis and allegiance to jihad against america we also now know that farouk had been involved with jihadis who were arrested in 2012 one of which um supposedly allegedly includes this guy Hassan who was what a refugee from Somalia now given permanent status in Minnesota we know that at least 10 percent of the Somalis and all the other quote refugees that were dumped into Minnesota on the poor Minnesotans at least 10 percent of them are radical jihadis and this was one of them and in fact he had ties to the Garland Texas situation there so this is the nonsense that's going on. We got to take a break because we got more to talk about on the other side. And actually, I'm going to ask some of these questions about some of these topics to Miss Tamara Holder, a liberal, and you might be surprised by some of her responses. At least I hope I am. Hey, thanks for listening. This is the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer.
4: sure to follow Andrea K. on Twitter at Andrea K. Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E.
3: Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's Best Local Pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990.
5: I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying.
4: Service was excellent. Easy process, start
5: to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434. Or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractor's license 657
6: Miramar Kitchen and Bath.
4: You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer.
3: Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all here with me. And I'm super excited to have my next guest here with me. I could tell it was her who called in because Engineer Dylan used his charm voice when he answered the phone. I knew it had to have been the one and only Tamara Holder on the Andrea K Show for the first time. Hey, Tamara, thanks so much for being
8: here. Hey, thank you for having me, and I'm I'm. Uh, I hope that this isn't my first appearance. I hope this is the first of many.
3: Oh, I hope so too. Hopefully, that means that my buddies Chris Hahn and Steph Watts have given me like a good like. If you've even followed up on me, because I just love having a variety of different opinions on the show. They're two of my favorites, and so Steph told me that he was friends with you, and I was like, well. You know any friend of Steph's? I gotta have on the show and have them be a regular. And I also want to thank you so much because I don't want to get into too much, but I know that you've you've got some challenges going on in your life right now. And and I thank you for taking the time to come in today. And
8: condolences to you, by the way, on that. Well, thank you. I actually have a, a funny story about Steph Watts. He and I actually met. I don't know if you remember the um, the. The Drew Peterson case where he has been convicted now of killing one wife, the other wife, Stacey Peterson, is still missing. So he worked with Good Morning America at the time, and that was just as weird and terrible uh, of a story as it is. It was really exciting and fun for us Uh uh, to follow such an interesting and bizarre set of facts. I mean— you know, it's it's crime in Chicago, it's never ending. Yeah, and
6: it's
3: funny you should mention I am a one of the reasons why I started having stuff on the show is that in addition to my love of politics and business, I love true crime stories. I think the first one that I really, really got my juices wet was, I don't know if you remember the story of Jeffrey McDonald. And that was one of the, and, and there was so much forensics involved in that case. And so I love true crime and in anything related to it. And certainly Chicago, your peeps there give us lots of, of good material. Uh Oh uh, Yeah. Um, uh but politics, that's the story of the day. And thanks again for coming on. Um, well, before I even get into that, I, I got to pick your brain. What our media concierge was telling me about a lawsuit about a major manufacturer that I hadn't even heard of that's leaving people bald. And I know that's not happening to you because you've still got that gorgeous head of hair. But did you hear about Wynn and the lawsuit that's happened with Wynn?
8: No, but um, I can only imagine.
3: Well, yeah, don't buy that. Don't put that anybody anybody's stocking for Christmas. Google that story because you don't want to end up bald. Okay. So I'm glad to have you on here. The topics of the day continue to be radical Islam and everybody kind of hand-wringing as to what to do about the situation because we've got uh, a free society here. And we value our freedom. We value our individualism here in America. We value our freedom of religion here in America. But we've got all these people who want to come here in the name, supposedly, of their religion. And what do we do about it, Tamara? I mean, it seems to me that Trump was kind of only replicating what Jimmy Carter did back in the 70s when he said maybe we need to, at least for now, keep bringing the Muslims here. So many people were up in arms about it, including Speaker Ryan. What do we do about the situation? What do you think we should do?
8: Well, number one, what I think we should do is calm down, because everybody is so angry. Uh, being great. a Democrat at Fox News, I have received so much hate uh, based on my opinions that are just as valuable, not more valuable, but just as as valuable as yours or anybody else's. Um, and there are, there are Republicans that are in the media, like I'm sure you too, people... People use social media to um, to abuse, so to, to abuse right. people. Right. And so, you know, th- that's the first thing. Everybody needs to calm down. America does not need to become great again. America is great. America is great. And therefore, we need to come together. And I know it sounds like, uh, okay, it sounds really happy and, you and, um, Let's just all sit around a circle and like smoke a joint and be, you know, hold the peace sign up. That's not what I'm saying. But we need to start at a basic, common understanding that America is great. Mm -hmm. And then the second piece is, if you are going to make a comment like Mexico sends Muslims, or I'm sorry, Mexico sends uh, murderers and rapists to the United States, or all Muslims should be banned from coming into the United States, hey, that's fine. If you're running for president and you believe that that is a presidential thing to say, when you're speaking to the world, you're not just speaking to Americans, you're speaking to world leaders throughout the world. Um, How are you going to articulate that? He has yet to articulate plans on how to protect America. And my biggest issue is, okay, let's say we stop the Mexicans from coming in and raping and killing, and let's say we stop all the Muslims from coming in. Is America any safer? Really, is it safer?
3: I know. Well, that's My a good question. Answer, no. Well, then how do, how do we make it safe? Because I think that there is never a way in a true free society to completely, you cannot legislate away evil and you cannot therefore legislate out in all bad acts, which is what to me, the idea behind as beautiful as it sounds to have gun control and nobody then will ever pick up a gun and murder anybody. It doesn't work because only the law abiding people are going to obey the, the gun laws. And so we can never, I'm with you there. I don't think we can ever completely legislate away all bad acts but I do think we need to have greater common sense for example we find out that this this the shooter in Sam uh, for Tajin or I'm not sure what her name was the wife she was what? from Pakistan she had been going to a radical madrasa she was here on a fiance visa they didn't bother to check her social media there wasn't any vetting done I think that we can have some common sense solutions that maybe for example we don't have this waiver of visa program going on to where from 38 countries people don't even have to have a passport to come here that doesn't even make sense to me i do think that we need to put in some vetting systems in place to where we have we know who's coming here we do like other countries we know who's coming here we do everything we can to vet them before they come here and asking somebody are you a terrorist yes or no to me doesn't make any sense and then we track them when they're here we shouldn't have so many people coming here on on student visas and then they just stay here we have no idea Idea that they're here. What's wrong with those ideas?
8: I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with any of these ideas, except that the, um, the, the people on the right, the conservatives, primarily um, believe in less government interaction and less government spending. And and um, if we're going to do something like that, where is the money coming from? Um, if we're going to, are we going to put a sticker on uh, in everybody's ear, are we gonna are we gonna give them an ankle bracelet? Um, you know, well, I, that's a good question. To, I, I,
3: excuse it, well, me for interrupting. I'm wondering if I'm because I'm thinking about the, all the other countries that track. Although I know that's that Sweden, I think it was, lost 14,000. Uh, don't know where those Syrian refugees are. But if other countries have a way to track the visas. Then, then I'm curious to know, and that's maybe a Google search for me to do some research on that. How are the, how are other countries doing it? Because they're managing to track people. And, you know, how was it that Jimmy Carter was able to track down all those uh, students that were here that had overstayed their visa, send some of them home and put the rest through secondary checks? However, he did that. I think we need to reimplement that.
8: Well, right. But back then there was uh, we didn't have some global jihad that we have now. And so I think the the nature of the beast has changed and morphed. Um, I I grew up in southeastern Colorado where my family was um, they were onion and melon farmers. And this was during the Reagan era where Mexicans came in, worked legally under a certain visa and then went home and then came back during the season. So uh, I, I think one of the, the most important things is, what is your motive for coming into the United States? Is your motive to come in and work and make money? Is your motive to come in here and become a citizen and be here permanently? What What is your motive? And if, if obviously people who are coming in are not going to say, even Donald Trump out of his own mouth said, he's going to ask people, are you Muslim or not? And if they put yes, then they can't come in. Well obviously then you're not going to mark yes. So so this is where our conversation seems like we're at least hashing out ideas versus something that absolutely makes no sense. I went to school at the University of Arizona, which is like 60 miles from the border of Nogales, Mexico. And trust me that a wall, a golden wall, is not going to stop the drugs from coming in and the people from coming in from Mexico. They have tunnels. They have, uh, they, they they launch drugs over the border. And then, what sometimes during um, natural disasters, the border has, the fences or whatever in the area have fallen apart and they don't come back and fix it. Miles and miles worth of fencing. Well, I do so, think
3: that, I do think, excuse me for interrupting, I do think that, you know, fencing does work, you know, here in San Diego where we have, where we have fencing, it does keep people out. I think it's a better solution to also on the other side here to not offer carrots that are going to attract people to come here, whether it's in the, in the form of taxpayer subsidies and, and giveaways to, you know, jobs. My mom used to work at the, uh, labor law judges here who used to prosecute businesses for knowing hires. You get back to some of that kind of stuff. And, you know, and then, you know, they might, you know, self deport, but they're coming here because they're getting stuff when they come here. So to me, at an invisible wall of nothing giving to them in return will keep people from Spending the money, giving it to the coyotes who are going to likely take advantage of them and, and persecute them as as they're coming across the border. I want to. We, we got to take a break in a couple minutes, and I'm hoping you're going to stay o- on the other side because I wanted to get into some reports about a whistleblower from the DHS who says that the Obama administration has stopped him uh, from uh, who stopped him from investigating these San Bernardino people. I wanted to see if you know anything about that, and then also talk to you about this Planned Parenthood story that's just come about. Can you stick around for a few more minutes? I can and then I have to hop on my plane. Okay, well I'm gonna make a quick we're gonna take a quick break, just a couple of minutes and we come back. We're gonna talk to Tamara Holder a little bit more. So don't change that doll folks. This is the Andrea K Show on AM eleven seventy KCVQ. Back to the Andrea K. Show. Now, see, I'm loving all that Christmas music that Dylan was playing earlier in the first hour of the show. But, you know, we're really some 90s throwback jams to my gal Salt and Pepper, TLC. Now, this is the kind of music that really gets me going. And I need to keep my energy up because I got another hour here with you all. And I appreciate so much having my my guest who's on with me now with me, none other than Tamara Holder, who I got to tell you, Tamara, you reach across the aisle because men on both sides just love you. I even have one of my most hardcore conservatives. Conservative guys who says, I don't like any of her liberal positions, but I got to watch her. So sometimes I just put the moot button on because then she's absolutely the perfect woman. So hopefully that gave you a little bit of laugh um, before the break. We were talking about border and immigration issues and all of that. And I kind of while I've got limited time with you left, I kind of want to get into a little bit of um, the presidential race in Hillary. And I, when she was running in 2008, for presidency in in the primaries against president obama i was asked by people well you're you're for hillary aren't you you know because you're a woman and i was kind of offended by that tamra because i vote i don't first of all even on my show here i don't really advocate for party or paul i advocate for ideas that's kind of where i'm coming from and i'm kind of an equal opportunity criticizer of both parties and everybody nobody's you know free from my my sharp stick but I'm also, I don't, I don't vote along lines of any kind of identity. I'm not into that. I don't care what somebody's gender is. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what the color of their skin is, their hair or anything else. And so I look at Hillary and I am baffled when I see reports that like now that she's got so much support from half the country. When to me, it, it seems to me that she's got no accomplishment to me that I can recognize, and I'm hoping you uh, basically, in case you haven't figured it out, this is me giving you an opportunity to sell me on Hillary because I don't see that she's got any record of accomplishment. I think that she was dishonest and lied and engaged in a cover up with Benghazi and then with the email scandal. Uh, If I was a Democrat, I I wouldn't be throwing my hat and my support behind her. What am I missing with Hillary? Why do the Democrats still love
5: her?
8: Well, not all Democrats love her. I think that a lot of Democrats, like myself, know that she's a liar and know that she has uh, her behavior with the server and and, um, and 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 other issues that have made it to the news are not good for her, not good mm-hmm. for her image. Um, I, I don't personally like the attack from the right that she has no accomplishments. I'm often on Hannity and... He says to me, well, name three accomplishments. Name three accomplishments. And everybody on social media is like, you can't name three accomplishments. Well, listen, she whatever accomplishment I say I believe she has, like she did participate in um, in building the Affordable Care Act, uh, trying to at least change the health care system in our country, which is con- continues to be a disaster. Yeah. I'm not defending the Affordable Care Act right now. Right. I'm saying that she has – She was part of trying to create something that she has. Her her name isn't on, so she's not responsible for it. But um, And she was secretary of state uh, and and she she was a senator and she is a mother and she is a grandmother and all kinds of things. She's an employer. um, So she has accomplishments. The accomplishments that I am going to say or want to say, it's just it doesn't matter because the people that I'm talking to or... Aren't interested in voting for Hillary anyway. Well, I mean, we I actually have we well, is,
3: we actually have listeners from from all sides here on right. on KCBQ. Well,
8: I'm, I'm, I'm not attacking your listeners. I'm just oh, I know. I, for, for the most part, you know, but I think the bigger issue is is that there is a huge um, uh, contingent of of people like myself who lean left. I voted for Mitt Romney in 2012. Mm. Um, a lot of people, even if they didn't. A lot of people are not happy with Obama, and Hillary Clinton is not—she's not that great. Bernie Sanders, he's okay. I mean, you can't really hate the guy. Sure, mm-hmm. he's a so- socialist. He's a little weird and whatever, but <laughs> he's, not, he's, not a, he's not a bad guy. He doesn't, he doesn't get you worked up the way Hillary Clinton does. Um, and I think the biggest struggle for the Republican Party is how are you reaching—going to reach across the aisle and flock those voters— And nobody on the right is doing that.
3: I think, well, I think that Trump, had the meeting, which ended up it started out kind of laughable, but ended up ended up being I think a success for him was when he had the black pastors uh, meet him in New York, and I thought good on him. He's he's recognizing that there are whether we like it or not that there's an identity group situation going on here. He it is, and he gets it, and he reached out through the black pastors there. I don't know what he's doing, you know, with the women for the women vote. Um, but he's, he's done that as well for the military. I think that the mindset of Republicans is that a woman's issue is no different than a man's issue. And so they don't really, it doesn't make sense to kind of think that you've got to go and, you know, specifically seek out women, nor, you know, do they, you know, cause my money that I spend at the gas station is the same as, as my husband's kind of, kind of mindset. So
8: what is a woman's issue? Um, we're, we well, are. I just think that that's – I respectfully disagree with that argument. The first is that there is a documented uh, pay um, gap between men and women. It's 77% or 80% or whatever. Women make less than men, period. Those are the numbers. Do I think that's a reason to be be sad and not, not get up and work harder? No, but those are the statistics, those are the numbers. Um, if you want to talk about, and I don't particularly like to talk about the abortion issue because people freak out and it's not worth it to go into an argument where I'm not going to change somebody's mind on something as to pro-life or pro-choice. However, that is a, um, a woman's issue. Um, we're not having a fight over whether men should be able to participate in a woman's decision The issue that—that's not the issue. It's whether or not abortion is—is murder. Um, That's a woman's issue. I think, I actually
3: think that, that both sides could really see that as an even bigger issue than even just a woman's issue. That there are men out there that whose girlfriend or wife or whatever is pregnant and she wants to have an abortion and he doesn't. That does affect the man. And I think that, you know, both sides could probably do a better job in terms of not having it be the bottom line gotcha question of, you know, um, exceptions with incest and rape. I mean, that's, that tends to be the extent of that, that dialogue. And it just makes me crazy because I actually, really loved what one of the things I heard Kirsten Power say she I'm a fan of hers as well and she talked about how in developing countries you know they they ban abortion past 14 weeks and that there are areas where we can compromise as as a as as a people where it doesn't have to be so much I I think it gets so nasty and so mean that it becomes an all-or-nothing game and it's like you talk about so much hate and you know um, I I think that if if we're all going to be coming from a place of science i think that we could all maybe come together and say okay from a science place maybe we need to ban it from this point on because i think most people when they find out what happens in a late term situation they're not on board with that so um i'm hoping that we can actually start having better discussions and better dialogue on some of these hot button topics instead of just avoiding them you know what i mean
8: yeah, I just, I feel like it's um, it's selective selective science, you know, I think mm-hmm. about how this, we had this global climate conference that mm-hmm. just ended and it was something that has fallen apart so many times and you have all of these countries, 160 something or whatever the number is, signing on to this agreement about global warming and there are a lot of people from the right who think that it's a bunch of crap, that there's no such thing and it's a big conspiracy. However, then, then they believe in science when it comes to uh, determining when a life is viable and whatnot. And again, I'm not, I'm not here to um, debate ob- the whether abortion is right or wrong and mm-hmm. what my personal opinions are. I'm not here to debate whether there's a global uh, global warming or climate change or whatever term somebody wants to use. Right. I my thinking is based on being trained as a lawyer and i'm not right. saying that in any way other than i think a lot of people like to have me on their shows because they know that i am a democrat and they think that that you know that, that it's going to be there's going to be some kind of contentious debate however the issue is, is that i was trained to look at things based on facts and then mm-hmm. build a conclusion. right? And the facts are, for example, the Planned Parenthood um, debacle recently—they were allegedly selling fetal matter and blah blah. blah all, that argument, the facts were that the the states investigated, and they did not find criminal wrongdoing. Therefore, in my opinion, the law allows them to sell, or not to sell, but to um, you know make some kind of money for, for transfer transfer of the uh, the materials and whatnot. Um, that's the law. They didn't break the law. There's nothing to do with me being pro-choice or pro-life.
3: You're looking at it from a legal and I, standpoint. And, you know, if, and if people have a problem with the laws as it stands, it, it, it you know, I, I don't really know what all the laws are in, in involving those videos. To me, if a law was broken... You know, there, there should be investigations and if a law is broken, people should be held, held to account. Where I come from on that is just, I'm really about, hey, just don't take my taxpayer dollars, you know, for, for, for something that, you know, that's my biggest issue in, in some of these areas is when it comes down to somebody being forced to participate in something that's, that's uncomfortable to them. Because I look at the, our law being the constitution. I wish I had more time to delve into you. I, you, on the law on, the U.S. Constitution, because I feel like there's so much of an overreach right now in terms of uh, as citizens, in terms of our rights on speech, on our own religion. Everybody's concerned right now about the you know, Muslims versus Christians rights in, in this country. And, and I just feel like the Constitution's been pierced. It's been breached. And that's the wall of protection from us as citizens. And how do we get that back when our government has overreached that? What are your thoughts on that in a couple of minutes or less?
8: Well, I just think that that each each issue is a is a case by case situation. Um, If we want to go through talking about the spending of tax dollars, and and I should be able to choose what I what I want and don't want my money going towards. You know, you think about like the uh, the Department of Defense paying the NFL and at NASCAR and everybody hundreds of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of taxpayer dollars for flyovers.
6: Yeah. See, I didn't even know about
8: that. that when I heard that.
3: Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy.
8: And so and so, you know, I think about the amount of money that's wasted and where Americans want to get its it's selective anger. Right. And I truly feel that if we're going to talk about taxpayer money being spent, um, then we need to lay it out on the table. How much is it? Where is it? Where is it going? If we start spending all the taxpayer money on chasing down every immigrant that's in this country, then um, tracking new ones that are coming in. Who's paying for that? Because last I checked, the Department of Veteran Affairs is a total nightmare. Yeah, yeah. It's a complete nightmare, yeah. and that is that is the epitome of government waste. We were asking the government to do something, and our veterans are dying on the government's watch. Right. But now we want to give more money to a new agency or whatever that we're going to create, and they're going to start tracking people? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, right.
3: yeah do it. exactly. Well, and you look at you're so right because look at this this success of the TSA and DHS, you know, and that that came under W. He's the one who created that huge monstrosity, and we're no safer today with the DHS and and the TSA at the airports. We're no safer. Then before that, that government was created and we're not doing enough for our vets. And I, I, when you were talking about laid out there, I was thinking about how they used to do in the churches I grew up in. They'd put that church budget out there and they'd pass it down the aisles and everybody could look at it and the different line items and say, yes, no, yes, no. And then based on the majority, you know, maybe the church might get a new fellowship hall or not. You know, um, we do need to do something to control the spending, though, Tamara, because, I mean, at 18 trillion dollars, we got to do something to rein it in. And it does become, it seems as though half the country has one set of priorities and the other half has the other, and I just don't know how... And who is going to kind of bring us together? I mean, so many people thought President Obama was going to be the great uniter. And I feel it feels like we're more divided than ever. And, you know, so many people are losing hope in America. And I'm so glad you started the interview by telling me America's still great because I absolutely believe that. And that's kind of how I started my show to say, you know, we're, we're we we have not fallen yet. We're still a great nation. And I'm so glad that you said that, and I'm so glad you came on the show. Any final thoughts? How can people see more of your work? Because I haven't had a chance to watch you on SportsCourt. Tell everybody real quick about that.
8: Sure, thank you. Uh, Well, I have Twitter, like the rest of the world, uh, at Tamara Holder, all in word. And I have a sports show. I actually have the only sports show on all of Fox News platforms. It's a web show on foxnews.com, and you pre-tape it on Tuesdays. And then it goes live on the Fox News website and also posted on my website, which is sportscourtmedia.com. So we just talk about legal issues in sports and some social issues in sports, whether it's um, last week we were talking about the uh, Steve Starkesian lawsuit. He sued UFC, or UFC after being fired um, for being drunk and not having the opportunity to go to rehab, whether or not that is a proper disability. Right. We talk about Johnny Mandel, we talk about domestic violence. So it's just, you know, it's a little, it's it's something different, and it's the most popular, one of the most popular shows on foxnews.com. So it's great.
3: Yeah, you know, those who know me well know that I am an NFL fanatic, Tamara. I love all things NFL. Baseball, not really my sport. Soccer, eh, you know. I I can watch basketball, too. But the NFL is my, uh, I, and it doesn't matter what the teams are or who's playing. If there is a game on TV, I I will watch it. Who has been of of if you can tell me a little gossip here? Who is like your favorite NFL person that you've interviewed? Tom Brady. What? What'd you say, Dylan?
7: Oh, Tom Brady, (laughs) go.
3: Oh, Oh, Tamara didn't. She didn't dig your Tom Brady. That
7: come me deep.
3: Wow. Oh,
8: what do you? So not Tom Brady. A cheater. He's uh, he's (gasps) Tom Brady's he, he got caught cheating. Let's just be honest. He got caught cheating. I know it maybe didn't affect anything, but he got caught cheating. However, my, um, I, I haven't interviewed him for SportsCourt, but I, I know them um, somewhat. You know, on a, personal, a casual personal level. Sean Elway and Peyton Manning and all the Broncos are from Denver. I have a relationship with them, a lot of people on the team. And um, John Elway, there's something about him, his personality, and just being around him that's just bigger than life, and mm-hmm. he's he's awesome.
3: Well, I I'm from the New Orleans area, and so the, the Manning family is kind of huge, you know, to our town. Peyton Manning is known as being a gentleman. Does he really have plantar fasciitis, or are they just hiding him out because they know that his arm was totally noodled and he can't <laughs> throw a ball anymore? What's the scoop?
8: I don't know the inside scoop. I do know though that his and, and this was this was public. I don't know how how many of the outlets picked up, but he doesn't have feeling in one of his fingers on his throwing arm. Oh. So I think that he's just banged up. You know, he had stem cell uh, stuffed to his neck. And mm-hmm. I don't know. He's, he's banged up.
3: He is. And, you, and he's old. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, something kind of happens when they go from 38 to 39 and 39 to 40. I mean, Favre should have gone, you know, at least a year before he did. So, you know, anyway, these
8: guys, you know, to your question, though, I don't know the answer other than I really believe uh, that these athletes operate at such a high level and such a high frequency that even when they're banged up, that's why they love getting toward all shots and they're back on the field. Doug Bryant was back on the field like immediately, even though, you know, he's banged up. Tony Romo, same thing. I think that it's in their DNA to want to go out and fight and compete. And whatever Peyton can do to get out there, he will do. I don't think he just simply can't do it anymore. Right.
3: Well, it'll be interesting as we're winding down here and heading into the new year. Hey, I do hope, thank you so much for calling in today, Tamara. I really appreciate it. I hope you have the most Merry Christmas and Happy New Year ever. And I do hope you'll come back on. Thank you. I appreciate the invitation. It's been great. All right. Take good care. Thanks. all right Mr. Dylan let's take a break and we come back we're gonna pick this up on the other side because we got more fun to have here right here on the Andre K show on AM 1170 the answer. Andrew K show having a great time here on the show today. Special thank you to Tamra Holder for calling in. What a lovely lady she is. You know, she voted for Romney in 2012. You can't judge a book, you know, just because you think somebody's identifies as a liberal or a Democrat doesn't mean, you know, that they're so hardcore that they can't, you know, see another perspective. And I like that about her. That's why I wanted to, to have her on the show. Um, I, I think that, um, there's opportunity for us to reach more people and not be, it's a lesson I got to learn myself. You know, sometimes I am so dynamite in a dress. I see things so black and white, so hardcore that I'm not always willing to compromise or meet somebody in the middle or try to have a conversation with somebody that's not, you know, so, you know, bombastic or whatever. Um, I agree with her that this is still, you know, at the top of the show is talking about rise and fall and you know I don't think we've fallen yet. I think we got to be careful we're on the brink, but I think she's right. America's still, you know, a great nation. I think that that you can be a great nation though and recognize that you've got some areas that you better be taking care of, because it's like Ronald Reagan said, you've got to. We are only one generation away from losing our freedoms. So while we are still a great nation, still an economic and military superpower, we are not what we once were. We can get back to that because what had happened is people had started. Um, taking our freedoms for granted and not doing everything that we could do to preserve them. And when you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. When you're not safeguarding, not keeping your eye on the ball, bad things can happen. And you, if you don't have that door locked shut. How's this for all mixed metaphors and all these bad analogies? Y'all know what I'm trying to say. If you don't take care, take care of your business and, and and stay firm and rooted in what your values are and what your country's all about, then you're ripe for takeover and make no mistake about it. We have people who want to come here and take us over from within. I love talking to Tamar about sports. You know I'm an NFL fanatic. I love that it's holiday time and everybody's shopping and paying attention to wonderful things. I think we can multitask and, and And we can do it all and we can, as citizens, do our part. I got into a discussion the other day with somebody who was saying, you know, I just, you know, there's just nothing I can do. And I try to not pay attention to it because what can I do as one person? As one person, we can do a lot. Our elected officials want to stay in power. The one way that we can affect change as an individual is, first of all, we can use our voice. We can have conversations with people. We can encourage them to vote. We can try to persuade them to vote in a way that preserves freedoms, and we certainly can try to persuade our elected officials to do what's right. We can call. We can send letters. We can email. That actually works, and one of the things that we need to let them know, we should all be pushing back real hard against Speaker Ryan for what he came out and the way that he came out and attacked Trump and said that it's not our values to keep the Muslims out. I think Tamar Holder raised a good point when she talked about the fact that it can't be just Muslims because and then people can start to say, well, I'm not a Muslim. But I do think that just because something may not work completely doesn't mean that you don't try. We know that a certain percentage of the refugees are ISIS we absolutely should stop any refugees from coming here. We absolutely should put a moratorium on visas until we get a vetting process that involves looking at social media, not having an, an administration and a State Department that's refusing to look at social media because it's considered profiling. We need Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. A report has come out uh, from Breitbart that says that basically they're doing everything that they can do to work with Obama to bring the refugees here. The Republican Party, the establishment party, is just as much about big government and and power, and we need to let them know as elected officials. And, and you know, Carson sent a, a shot across the bow. We talked about Carson earlier that he's falling and his poll numbers are down. Well, he sent a shot across the bow to the GOP establishment who has threatened to broker convention in order to keep Trump from winning the nomination. They might do it as well with Cruz. Because he's as much of a threat to the establishment as Trump is, and they are really, really working hard to keep their own entrenched power. All they care about is power. They don't care about, you know, the ultimate end game. Many of them don't see it. They don't understand. Many of the Republican Party, the reason why they're okay with bringing the refugees here and they're talking like Ryan that we can't have a religious test is because so many people have bought into this false notion, like O'Reilly, that, oh, you know, the, ones that want to shoot us and kill us like in San Bernardino or ISIS or just a small percentage of Muslims. And that's actually not true. I mentioned this report from National Review last week, which is polling. We talked about polling earlier. There's been worldwide global polls done of Muslim populations. And the reality is, is there may be of the one point, whoever even knows how many billions of Muslims there are, of the one point something million Muslims, maybe 10% or 15% want to pick up a weapon and shoot you, but that doesn't mean they're peaceful. We need to stop buying into this notion that um, Islam itself is so peaceful. We've got reports today that ISIS has put out a bounty, a fatwa on disabled children. We know that governments like Iran and Saudi Arabia actively as part of their government Sharia system beat women and stone women and rape little girls. That is not peaceful. A poll was done by National Review. 92% of Iraqis, 74% of Saudis, 75% of all from North Africa and Middle East are anti Semitic. Of Islamic supremacy, which is a death penalty for apostasy or blasphemy, how do they score? 86% of Egyptians are for the death penalty for for non Muslims. 82% of Jordanians, who are supposed to be the most secular of Muslims, 62% of Malaysians believe in the death penalty. For non-Muslims, strictly for being a non-Muslim, we had a cleric who was a professor in Tennessee, not long ago, do a YouTube video in which he said that Christians and Jews were quote filthy, and that Muhammad, and by extension all Muslims, were required to wage jihad by and the definition of jihad by this imam in Tennessee was to basically. Replace whatever government system was in place with Sharia and that until somebody converts that if somebody converts to Islam, then their life and their property is safe. But unless they if they don't convert, then their life and their property is subject to the taking of Muslims that is already here in America right now. And that to me is clear evidence of what I've been saying for a while, that American people need to wake up and realize that this is a political movement and system that we're facing here. That's really what we're fighting against. And Americans are being bullied with the political correctness of the freedom of religion, and that's not what it's about. And they're also doing everything they can. I just read you the stats. 62% of Malaysians believe in the death penalty for non-Muslims. When it comes to how they view ISIS and whether or not they view ISIS, who's throwing gay people off the roof... As favorable, sixty-two percent of Pakistanis view ISIS as favorable. And what was the woman from San Bernardino? She was Pakistani. She was educated in a madrasa in Pakistan, in a hardcore sect of of Islam that has branches here in the United States. There was a woman on Judge Janine this weekend who says that what the radical Islamists are about is about an original form of Islam. So when Speaker Ryan comes out and says they have perverted a religion, that's not true. They are actually practicing the most strictest definition. They're the orthodox Islamists, and what that is is a political system. It's complete totalitarian control, and we've got to get as many Americans as possible to understand that that's what we face. They don't want us to understand that. That's why in school books right here in San Diego, right now in a quote religious tolerance class, the first lesson that these kids are being taught to do is to create a website in which they are supposed to propagate all great things about Islam and about Muhammad. You go throughout the rest of that school book And there's no lessons in there about having to create a website to preach how great Jesus is and what the message of the plan of salvation is. No, open that book. And the first thing is about telling telling them. Their instruction is to go and create a website to promote Islam. We've got a school. I posted this on Facebook today in America that had as a practice to teach, to demystify, and to remove any negative stereotypes of Muslims. They had girls having to put on the hijab and wear the hijab so that they could experience what it's like to be a Muslim. Whoever wrote that article, check it out. It's on my Facebook wall. Brilliantly said, hey, they want to know what it's like to be a Muslim woman. How about that? um, uh, Um... that Muslim woman um, go around in Iran or go to Saudi Arabia and do something that's not favorable to the morality police and see what it's like to be a Muslim woman over there. Or you want to know what it's like to, to be in an Islamic state? How about going over there and showing that you're Jewish in the middle of that? Or how about you want to experience what, what Muslim life is like? How about being a Christian or Yazidi over there in these Muslim areas? It's all about indoctrination the head of care council or the Southern head of the Southern California organization of care council for American Islamic relations. He was at the microphone in San Bernardino with the family members of these shooters. When the bodies were still left there and hadn't even been taken, how were they given a press conference? How were they allowed to be there when they should have been in a dark room being interrogated, but they were hustled out there in a coordinated attempt. We now know Reports have come out from the FBI. The FBI has kind of outed President Obama. He told the National Security Council and the FBI that he wanted them to downplay the terrorist angle in San Bernardino immediately. And basically, they they went outside of him and told the truth to the American people. One of the reasons, supposedly, that President Obama didn't want the truth to be told was because they didn't want it to undermine his foreign policy, I don't believe that, that he thought that maybe the American people would want him to do more in fighting ISIS. Well, yeah, hello, of course so. Um, but the FBI said, no, we're going to come out, we're going to be honest with the American people. To think that we've got a president in the United States who's trying to withhold information from the American people, this is, you know, the left is coming out and saying Trump is like Hitler. No, this is, this the the control of minds through media and then to immediately come out after this and try to push back to the American people and tell them th- to threaten the American people through the Department of Justice that you will be prosecuted for anti-Muslim speech should send a chill up everybody's spine. The Republican Party says they're going to investigate what President Obama has done. Um, I don't know that it's really going to go anywhere. Hopefully it will. Hopefully, the American people just getting educated about what's going on out here uh, will will do a lot. We also know that federal authorities. Another report is federal authorities arrested a 25 year old illegal alien from the UAE who had stockpiled a bunch of ammunition in his hotel room and in a storage unit. He says he got rid of the weapons. I believe him, don't you? Mm hmm. Um. There's all kinds of reports. People, I I put it out on Facebook. What do y'all want me to talk about? There's something called the Mission in Missouri that's been going on. Thank you to Karen Von Allman who gave me a tip on this. I guess Middle Easterns were buying up in massive quantities, uh, cell phones and dozens of propane tanks, I guess, were stolen. On top of it, uh, Pulaski, Missouri Pulaski County authorities say that a deer hunter found a cache, a huge cache of explosives along the Mark Twain Trail, and they ended up detonating these. But who knows what's going on in Missouri? Um, I think in Seattle, I think it was Doug Kaiser posted that in Seattle alone, there's 70 active investigations of terrorism going on right now that they're watching. Each terrorist that they have to watch requires, I think, three or four people and 24 hours a day surveillance. So this is a massive undertaking. We can do it, but we've got to get smart. The Obama administration says, oh, we can vet these people. How do you vet intent? Uh, You know, um, can they can they stop? Can they start denying that they're Muslim? Yeah, I think that what we can do is we can get rid of this. First things first, let's get rid of the stupid waiver of visa program coming out of Europe to where Uh, British citizens can go and take up arms with ISIS, go back to Britain, leave their passport at home and come right to America. Uh, We can certainly stop bringing the refugees here. We can vet them in terms of their associations and who they are. We have every right as a people. They have no constitutional right to come here. We have every right as a people to protect us. And no, we cannot legislate away every bad act of evil. No, we cannot stop, you know, every Muslim from coming here who wants to do us harm. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. It doesn't mean we shouldn't put common sense. The love loves talk common sense. No reason why we cannot put common sense vetting systems in place. To keep people from coming here to do us harm. I gotta take a break and then we've got one final segment on The Andre K. Show. Thanks for joining me. This is The Andre K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer.
4: You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170,
3: The Answer. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Thank you all for being with me. Now that Christmas tune, I recognize. Yeah, that's a good one. Thank you, Dijon DJ Dijon Dylan, for playing some good music today. This is my last segment of today's Andrea K Show, and maybe my last show for this year because I, I don't know if I told you all I'm actually going to be gone next week on vacation but I've got a couple great hosts are going to be filling in with me for me so have no fear the Andrea K show will be here it'll just be somebody else firing off the dynamite I'm also going to be on America Trends TV tonight, so check that out, 7 p.m., U2America.com. I'm going to be anchoring America Trends TV tomorrow night for the debate show. Dr. Gina is going to be actually in Vegas on the floor, so it's going to be super fun. I'm super excited about that. Um, I'm not really sure if if... Carly Fiorina is going to make a big play i 'm not really sure what 's happened. I mean, you know she was really gaining some steam, and then she 's just really gone nowhere she 's kind of plateaued so that 's really one for me to watch because i'm always i 'm always kind of interested to see what an underdog 's going to do in certain situations. I think Carson 's going to be himself and you know kind of let the chips fall, whatever happens. I predict Rubio comes out swinging. I think Cruz is going to cruise. I think they're all going to be subject to the gotcha questions that have to do with Islam in order to brand and paint the Republican Party as haters. And, and it's really, it is a touchy subject because so many people don't see it the way I do. I wish everybody did. That it's really a political system with a religious element. And I think if more people saw it that way, there's so many Muslims themselves that see it that way. Just like that woman who was on Judge Janine last night and through, uh, Wafa Sultan and, um, Dr. Zudi Yasser, who's been on the show before, who's trying to change his own religion from within, because basically what it is, is they're, you know, the moderate Muslims like Zudi are saying that's the political part of it. And that and Americans need to understand that. When I was talking earlier to Tamara, she brought up the Paris Accord. There was an attack this morning in Paris, speaking of which, which I guess turned out to be a hoax. But supposedly this teacher was attacked by someone who was shouting, you know, something about allegiance to ISIS. And I thought, well, you know, they can sometimes shout. So, you know, in, in an accent, for all we know, he was shouting that he was upset over climate change. Um, but I guess there was some Paris climate deal that was supposedly going to be a stiff rebuke against the terrorist. Um, Tamara was saying that in terms of science that, you know, there's Republicans who don't buy into it. Well, that's because the science is not settled. Science in and of itself Certain sciences are not settled, actually. I studied geology in college, and, yeah, some of the rocks, quartz, the minerals and their properties, yeah, that's pretty exact. But you get into some of this other stuff in terms of time frames and how long something was in existence and when it started and this tectonic plate moved here and did this. It's like, really, since there was nobody around at that time to document that, there's really nobody who can say with any certainty it's theory, and And so much of this climate stuff is theory and be and, but it 's a theory that works conveniently to push certain agendas, one of which is the one world government marxist control system that many on the left are looking for and Tammy Bruce wrote a great blog post, and she included a segment from c n s she was talking about why the journalists so excited over this Paris you know climate change thing because it was exactly what we 've talked about here on the show. Uh, and I and I quote here from CNS News, the draft of the international agreement to deal with climate change calls for the developed nations of the world, including the United States, to transfer wealth to the developing nations, including through public funds. It's just a ruse. It's all about control. What greater way to have control over us than through a couple of ways? One is through, first of all, they want to take our guns from us because that, then they can control so much of our lives. Because we can't defend ourselves then. They want to control us through our health care system. Controlling our bodies and our health can't get a whole lot of greater control over that. But then also through climate change because that's where they can control where we live, what we drive, what we can eat. You know, my rooftop garden, they they would want to be able to take from me. It's a way to control us. They're going to control us through emissions, gas. Oh, but then, oh, by the way, so after we've got this Paris Accord, then what's funny <clears throat> Um, is you've got John Kerry who came out and basically busted himself here. Although it won't matter to the left, he basically said that um, that even if you cut U.S. CO two emissions, you know, even down to zero, that it wouldn't solve the imaginary global warming crisis. So basically he busted himself, but that will matter to the left, right? He says, and this is an actual quote, carries exact words. The fact is that even if every American citizen biked to work, carpooled to work, used only solar power panels to power their homes, if we each planted a dozen trees, if we somehow eliminated all of our domestic greenhouse gas emissions, guess what? That still wouldn't be enough to offset the carbon pollution coming from the rest of the world. So, you know, basically he's trying to set it up as though we could do everything here, but we have to be a part of the global movement. But the The bottom line is he's right. We could do everything that the left wants us to do, and it wouldn't have any impact. And, oh, by the way, one of the reasons why it wouldn't is because this is not a man-made situation. This is called called weather. This is not a situation where every scientist in the world who studies climate and weather patterns has said that this is a fact, climate change is a fact, and the Republicans are just refusing to acknowledge it. That's not what's going on here. He goes on to say, if all the industrial nations went down to zero emissions, remember what I just said, all the industrial emissions went down to zero emissions, it wouldn't be enough. Not when more than 65 percent of the world's carbon pollution comes from the developing world. Well, <clears throat> he's right. It, you know, uh, it's not going to make any difference. So I guess what they're wanting to do then is do it anyway, take money from us, supposedly spend, spend it around the world, supposedly to help lower their carbon emissions. But they don't say how it's basically just an excuse to take money from us with with all socialism and Marxism. What you end up having is just the the equal redistribution of mediocrity. There's a reason why. America rose so quickly to be the greatest nation in the world, to be the most prosperous economically and militarily in the world. That the left from beginning has been trying to destroy every aspect of our society that is what made it, makes it the great country that Tamara Holder was talking about. They want to destroy that because it gives them power, but also because they don't believe in it. They don't believe in American exceptionalism. They don't think that we're a force for good. I'm not really sure why so many people on the left <clears throat> see it that way. They see America as bad and evil, but they do. Many people that I know actually, uh, you know, are, I think President Obama in 2016, I think Dinesh D'Souza hit it on the set, uh, hit it on the head in terms of where Obama's coming from, was anti-colonialism. He was seeped in this anti-American rhetoric. I think there's many people in, in America on the left who actually have a, a true bleeding heart, who actually believe they don't understand basic economics and actually believe that the way to solve all the problems is just to take money from one citizen and give it to another. They don't really understand and haven't really put much thought into the fact that why that's not going to work. The, debate's tom- <clears throat> the debate is tomorrow. I'm really hoping that we will get into some economics. And the Republican Party will someone, you know, the, the Iowa polls say that Trump reaches more people who don't have a college education. They're struggling economically. They think he is the one person who can turn things around economically. We really need one, if not more, who can really articulate. I would kind of thought Carly Fiorino could. She hasn't gone there yet. I'm hoping she might tomorrow. As much as we need somebody like a Cruz or a Trump to speak boldly and be prepared to do what they can and will do to keep us safe as a nation from all the threats we face, Not just radical Islam, we also must have a candidate for president who can articulate to the American people that we cannot continue to go down this path of socialism. Income redistribution does not work. You cannot create economic prosperity by simply taking from those who have made it and are the makers and give to the takers. It does not work. Even if that's what your heart wants you to do to help people because you don't like people who don't have as much as others, it does not work economically. There's sound economic reasons why it does not work. And we must have a Republican candidate who can express that to the people in a, in a way that's persuasive. It's really hard when you've got almost half the American people receiving some form of taxpayer assistance, and that's something else. Words matter. we got to stop calling it government assistance. There is no government money. Every check for every entitlement or welfare program out there that goes out from the United States government is money that was taken from a taxpayer that worked hard for it or is taken from China or another country that they've borrowed it from, which has left us economically and militarily weak. It's time for tough love. It's time for the Republican Party, and, and it's time for all of Americans to understand we can't continue to go in the path we have. I'm hoping that that they're going to get more than 30 seconds. Maybe with fewer people on the stage, they're going to be able to expand a little bit. I, I don't like any of these formats, as fun as it is for me with these debates. You know, I think they should just throw a topic out there, have an intern set a clock and let them talk. That's how we're really going to see who's got what and who's got what plan. Tamara says that Trump doesn't really have a plan. Well, actually, most of the candidates do have specifics on their website. They're not really allowed to get into too much in-depth specifics when they're in these debates. So I challenge every American to do what Timothy Shea and I were talking about earlier, which is do your due diligence. We need to – I'm not – endorsing anybody at this point. I'm going to really vet every candidate well. I want to know what everyone is about. I don't expect anybody to be perfect, but I want to pick and choose the imperfections. Zach Gustine said it well on my show when he was here. He said, you know what, if Trump only did one thing, if he sealed the border, that would be enough because nobody else has done it, and that's the biggest problem that we face. We may, we may have to pick up a, a presidential candidate who's only going to be able to accomplish one or two things. And then we got to pick our priorities. I was talking to Tamara earlier about it seems as though half the country has one set of priorities and the other half have the other. And that's by design. I think the left has done a really good job of indoctrinating through schools, through the entertainment industry, and through the media in terms of getting us to a place as Americans to where they think the priority of the government is to make everybody happy, to make sure everybody's got a safe place, to make sure nobody's offended by anything, to make sure everybody's got access to a doctor, even if, if, you know, like a doctor goes to medical school and he's obligated to give his services for free. No. They think that everybody, you know, should have the right to own a home. What they, the left has done a good job of making Americans think that wants or even needs are the same thing as a right. And that that's the role of the government to provide that. And the Republican Party needs a good to do a better job of explaining to the American people why that system in and of itself doesn't work. Why the system of free markets and individual responsibility is the key system that provides the greatest opportunity for the greatest success for every American is willing to work hard enough for it and to go out and to achieve it for themselves and and the key underlying element of that is to have a value system that's based in God and a higher power. They want replacement of church and, and and God, they want replacement of God with with state and we need to get an American life back that has a value in the judeo-christian principles which is about individual responsibility. You know, somebody said to me the other day, oh, this Facebook friend of yours was talking about how if you read the Bible, it makes you a liberal. There is nothing biblical. This, oh, if Jesus were alive, he'd be a liberal is a bunch of crap. Absolutely no way. Jesus said, give a man a fish and you give him a meal. Teach him to fish and he can feed himself for a lifetime. There's absolutely nothing biblical that supports the idea of Marxism and control of a government over people's lives. We are not supposed to be worshiping a bunch of other American citizens. That's what people want. They, they basically want to give control of their life to these other American citizens. I mean, I love all the people I work with here at KCBQ, but I don't want any of them in control making decisions for me. I want to make decisions for my own life. Tamara talked earlier about how there's this, this number that women are being paid less. That's a number that gets disputed, but let's say it's true. That doesn't mean that I want to give the federal government control over all of our businesses out there and dictate and demand that they pay this woman the same amount as this man over here. See, I don't believe as somebody who used to do a lot of hiring, the Republican party needs to, to do a better job of explaining to people that, that the government cannot do what the universe can't do. There is no such thing as equality in life. There's always going to be somebody who's going to have more than you. Always going to be somebody who's better looking than you. You, th- it's not the government's job to create equal outcomes. It's only the, the government's job to create equal opportunity. So I'm going to be on America Trends tomorrow night, anchoring the debate coverage. Hope you'll all join me there. I'm going to be, um, on vacation next week. I started to say I'm going to be back here next Monday night, but I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be on vacation next week, but I'm going to still be on Facebook and Twitter all throughout the week at Andrea K. Show. Follow me there. Friend me on Facebook. Let's keep this conversation rolling. And I thank you all for joining me. Special thank you to Tamara Holder for calling in today. Love any time I get a chance to, to, to talk to people who are Democrats or liberals and kind of get inside their head and see what they what they're about, what they're what are they thinking? You know, if we're going to be persuasive, if we're going to win in 2016. we got to be able to persuade. Some other people to come and vote for us. Romney convinced her to vote for him. So, you know, it, it, she's right about one thing, too. This is the greatest nation in the world. It still is. You guys are the greatest peeps for sharing this time with me. Thank you, Dijon Dillon, for doing the show today. Thank you, Timothy Shea, for calling in. Thank you all. And uh, oh, also, very special happy birthday to Jim Garner, wonderful Facebook friend of mine. Love you so much, Jim. Thanks for being a supporter of mine, and I hope you have a very happy birthday. Have a great night, everybody.